Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Live Booleans with Costa and Alex. Except something's a bit different today, and it's that neither Costa or Alex could make it, unfortunately. So, uh, uh, Susanna and myself from the Cafe Booleans side of things have decided to take over, uh, and we've brought in a an old friend and a special guest here, uh, Sarah Sarah Brown. Is it? Yeah, that's it, Sarah Brown. How are you going? Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me. No, no Hi, awesome. Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, look, I reached out to you because I think last time we chat, probably it was probably a few years ago, actually. Um, you were telling me that you're part of Code Like a Girl, um, and actually, you invited me to one of those events, which was actually really cool to see in action. Um, and I believe you're still doing Code Like a Girl, aren't you? Yeah, I am indeed. Um, back in the pre-COVID days, when we had lots of events in person. Um, we used to host uh, sort of quarterly events with um, different topics. And I think the one you came along to, John, our topic was cracking the tech career. So it was really focused on um, uh, different people people in different stages of their careers in the tech industry. Um, we, we really focus on minorities in the tech industry um, and trying to kind of help people at, at any stage of their career, whether they're just starting out or mid-career or senior and they want to give back. Um, but yeah, these days, um, post-COVID, where things are uh, much more online, we kind of switch to an online model. So we do a lot of online education um, as well as some um, placements, internship um, internship placements as well. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So there's still plenty that can be done even though things are online now. Yeah, absolutely. And probably even more so, like probably opened up the opportunities for us even more in a, in a way that, you know, we, we were sort of forced to make the decision to go online instead of in person. We were doing these in-person workshops and in-person events. You know, we'd have like a coding workshop where 20 people would come along and learn, you know, how to build a simple web page with HTML and CSS. Um, and that's really cool and those are really fun, but, you know, you could only really reach like 20 people at a time and you need a lot of overhead you need instructors and you need computers and all this so um yeah it was kind of the kick that we needed to move that online and now we can deliver our education to like so many more people in in like different parts of the world which is really exciting yeah that's great i love the i love how like having that moving that online and talking about that and you talking about broadening your audience too like that's so great because it's also so inclusive for people who maybe can't leave their homes or geographically isolated too now you can include them and now they can like experience all the cool stuff that you're doing as well that's exactly right and i you know i feel this myself i live like in a rural town um and you know to be able to reach rural people is huge um, who, who don't necessarily have these opportunities that, you know, things that happen in big city centres. That's actually a really good point. And I mean, I guess with COVID being a push, could you see that kind of city centre inequality thing uh, degrading as time goes on now? Do you, do you think people, like as you said, uh, being rural, you're now getting more equal opportunities. Do you think things are going to continue in that way, even if, quote, COVID ends <laughs> I think so. I hope so. I mean, certainly like the work from home movement doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And for the tech industry in particular, there's no reason you can't work from home unless you need like really special access to, you know, 
things that you need massive security clearances for um, or really particular um, technology. But for, for your day-to-day kind of software engineer, um, if you've got a decent computer and an internet connection, there's nothing you can't do from home. Obviously, we do so many of our meetings online. You know, I work I work for Code Like a Girl. We're all a remote team. The company's based in Victoria, but I'm here in South Australia. We've got team members in um, Sydney, in, in Brisbane. Um, and, you know, I think that's, it, it actually makes it, it brings more opportunities for people um, who might not have considered a career in tech to say, oh, actually, I, I, pos- I probably could do that. Like, I don't need to move. I don't need to relocate to a big city. I don't need to leave Adelaide and go to Melbourne <laughs> um, mm. like so many people do. Um, I'm sure it's and- similar in the game space yeah yeah and, and it like it's so it's so interesting too because like a lot of what we do like in industry now so like in software and in games we we have so many people who work remote like it's such a huge part of our workforce and just it's so important that as educators like like what you're doing and like that we're thinking about that and that we're planning that in our curriculum too because it's not only we're not only teaching the skills of the tech, but we're also trying to show our students, hey, this is what it's like in industry. Like, you know, make sure you know what it's like, like this is what it will be. And that re- that is such a huge reality now that like it's so important that we're showing everybody this is what it can be like too. Is that still okay? Because <laughs> it's a completely different way of working, isn't it? It's completely different and it's like it's it's brand new really like the technology's come so far in even in the last two years um for what we can do to work remotely and and the practices the workplace practices so yeah it's a it's a whole new world and it and it just creates um so much more opportunity for for people who aren't traditionally represented in the tech industry um Mm. which is yeah what i'm super passionate about (laughs) yeah Yeah, and just like that that big shift in um delivery and that accessibility like that's as well as increasing like how many people can do it we're also you're also increasing the diversity of people who can do it too because that's bringing it back to hey you know are you a carer you can look at this in the evenings totally and um the 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 work that i do particularly for code like a girl um you know we're an education company but i'm a software engineer so i actually work on the the learning platform so it's you know uh, what do you call it? E-learning, um, learning management system. Mm. Um, there's a lot of, you know, out of the box platforms you can use, but we decided to build our own from scratch because why not? We're, <laughs> we're software engineers. Um, and that's allowed us to, to really customize it to what's important. So we've had people who are hearing impaired. So, okay, we need to, you know, make our platform more accessible to people who are hearing impaired, for example, um, people who you know might have vision impairment issues. We've got to think about how we can deliver coding education to people who might be visually impaired. So you know, it's all you know, it, it's got it, all of these all of these different um, um, yeah demographics that we can. That's yeah, I'm really excited about being able to actually build something that serves yeah, so inclusive. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. And we're definitely going to talk more about Code Like a Girl, but I, I want to ask about you now, Sarah. Um, so, okay, two questions here for you. Number one, um, is Code Like a Girl the entirety of what you're doing at the moment or is there more to your life at the moment? And then oh. if you could maybe follow up with uh, how did you actually get 
to this place? What what was your journey? So, yeah, big questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> at the moment, I'm actually just returning from maternity leave. Um, bit by bit. I just had a baby in December, my first awesome. Congratulations. baby. Thank you, little boy. Um, so future <laughs> future software developer maybe, or probably not. He'll probably <laughs> start them young. <laughs> be interested in something else completely. Um, so that's been a huge um, shift. I've always been very career focused, but um, uh, yeah, slowly, slowly e- easing back into the workforce. Um, and what else? I, I, uh, that's a good question. I, I've been really focused on just trying to get enough sleep in the past. Yeah, that makes really a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, a four or five month old kid, you're just focused on sleeping and making yeah. sure they're eating. <laughs> Can the baby sleep? Can I sleep? Is the baby fed? Can I eat? Like, yeah. <laughs> Couple well, more that, years that... and then you'll be like a little bit more alive. <laughs> yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> that. That raises a good question actually, which is, um, you know, code like a girl focused on women um, in programming and stuff. Um, obviously, you know, taking care of a child is not not obviously just for women, but you know, it's a it's a big part of the whole experience. And I guess the question behind this is when we talk about uh, equality, um, do we do we talk about giving equal rights to men and women and all genders, or do we talk about looking at the specific challenges that come with each gender and kind of um i guess catering to that does that make sense yeah i i I think i know what you're you're saying um there's a a really good um diagram or sort of web cartoon of the difference between um equality and equity um and equality kind of seeks to give everybody the same opportunity um, but equity looks at what disadvantages people have and and caters towards that. So there's an image of you know um, three kids who are trying to look over a fence to watch a sports game, um, and you know they they each have the same size box to stand on, but they're all different heights. So right. even though they all have the same size box, they can't necessarily all see over the fence. But so that's equality. Um, yep. And then equity is more like well the shorter kid actually needs a taller box. Yep. Um, and so um, that's that's really what it's looking at. Who, who's disadvantaged in, in what kind of way and, and what can we do to help sort of swing the pendulum um, to to make it more equitable? Um, so yeah, that really is that. the push, is the equity there? Yeah, equity. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the space we work in. We call it diversity, equity and inclusion, DEI. DEI. Mm. All yeah. right. Cool. All right. Uh, that's that's for our audience to Google that now. Yeah. <laughs> HR teams across um, the world are yeah working really hard on their DEI right now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Sorry, I did interrupt your story though. So I mean, maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, how you got into this position. You know, where yeah. where did you come from and what pushed you to move this way? Yeah, so I took a pretty non-traditional path into tech. Um, you typically, you think of like a software developer and it's like a guy in a hoodie who studied computer science, um, but that's certainly not me. Um, I, um, I fiddled with computers when I was a kid. My dad was uh, worked in IT, so I kind of always had this exposure to oh, computers yeah. and, and played around with them, but I never really... I guess um, knew what was coming in terms of 
um, careers in tech and I never really thought like, oh, this is the career that I want to have. I just, um, I was a theatre kid. Um, I loved music. So I actually studied music at university for a little bit um, and I was a music teacher. Never finished my music degree. I converted it into an arts degree, graduated with an arts degree. And um, in my arts degree, well, I was kind of dabbling in different subjects, sort of going, what are, you know, what am I interested in? What do I want to do? Um, I did like film studies and journalism and event management. And I did one, I did a couple of subjects that were um, sort of like intro to programming as electives. Mm. And when I finished my degree, I, I sort of thought, oh, that, that was fun. I, I really liked that. And I remember doing this when I was a kid. I remember like making really crappy websites about Pokemon when I was 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on GeoCities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, MySpace is the big one. Like we all customised oh, yes. our MySpace profile with HTML mm. and CSS. So it was like, yeah, that's really fun. So... I, um, while I was looking for a job, I was like applying for jobs as you do when you graduate. Um, and I was just talking to people that I knew like, oh, I'm looking for jobs. If you know anything, like, let me know. Um, these are my skills. I can make websites. That's one of my skills. I can make websites, even though like <laughs> I've made like crappy Pokemon websites when I was 10 and I made like a couple of websites that also weren't very good for my, um, uni degree. Um, but you know, you gotta like, um, it's all experience, <laughs> fake it till you make it right. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, so somebody who I knew in my sort of just friends and family network said, Oh, I've got this, I've got a small business and my website's about 10 minute, 10 years old. Could you do me a new website? Um, and I'll pay you, you know, how much do you charge? And I said, I, okay, I don't know. I'll go work that out. And I better $600 get a- $600 an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I was, <laughs> I, I don't think I made, but I probably made like $4 an hour on that website or something, you know? Um, yeah, well. Um, but, you know, I thought, oh, I better do this properly. I better get an ABN and work out how to do this for tax. And so I sort of set up this little freelancer business and did this one website and um, she actually referred me. She was really happy with it. She referred yeah. me to someone else she knew. They referred me to someone else they knew. It kind of snowballed. And before I knew it, I was just building, like, websites as a freelancer, um, like running this little business that I'd never planned on, that I had no... <laughs> like knowledge of how to run a business or how to deal with clients or like do invoices or anything. But um, I did that for about five years um, and then was approached by um, a startup company in Adelaide and uh, doing sort of like building project management software. I went to work yep. for them for a little bit um, and then kind of got landed my dream job with Code Like a Girl doing um, work that I'm really really passionate about dream job there it is awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah so how so long then have you I been at code like a girl um uh, i've been employed by code like a girl for a number of years actually back in the day what john was talking about the events um i just used to work like a few hours a week for them um doing like helping run events in um, in SA and running workshops, but that was, yeah, like a few hours a week. That was probably, that's probably been four years. Um, but yeah, once, um, once COVID hit, um, they offered me a full-time role 
which was unreal. Like the fact that so many people, so many people were losing their jobs and all of a sudden, like my job that I already had was really secure and then I'm being offered another job that yeah. I really wanted. So yeah, that was wild. It definitely gives credence to the digital space, I think, because mm-hmm. as, I mean, uh, what I found was, um, you, you actually might remember, Sarah, I was doing uh, life coaching <laughs> at the time and uh, right before COVID hit and like one of my other loves was music as well. So music and IT, similar to you, Sarah, and your experience. Yeah. Um, I ended up starting a business doing music for multimedia right as kind of COVID hit. Um, and then fortunately, you know, because I had met a few people in the local industry, um, it meant I could actually still work and make things for people, make things for video games. Um, and it was a surreal experience that, you know, everyone's talking about losing their jobs. And it, I was kind of like, well, my career's kind of just started here. So, you know, yeah. almost a little bit of guilt that comes with that. But, um, Funny, but you take isn't it. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, that's how big, one of our big lines is like, hey, this is a, this is a, pretty stable career for yeah, the foreseeable mm. future like it's a really good point yeah. yeah and it's a whole new space well not new but you know every day you know i would say where are we 17 minutes in and i'll mention nfts and like the metaverse <laughs> and everything <laughs> but, um, yep. you know it's not just that it's you know like you said web design you know we talk about video game design here it's all growing it's definitely not going away anytime soon. Um, not until it gets disrupted by the next major technology, which will probably just build on it. Uh, do do you find Code Like a Girl or any of your connected projects uh, discuss many of these kind of emerging technologies, or uh, is it kind of you stick to what's kind of, uh, I guess, mainstream? Let's say. So. Yeah, we're we're really focused on programming languages and coding languages, which really are at the core of a lot of these technologies. So, um, you know, you're talking about something like NFTs, you're talking about blockchain. Well, um, you can use a language called C-sharp to program in blockchain. Same goes with game. Dev. Yeah. I mean, this is a game dev podcast. Say, people, people know this, right? Any, any, <laughs> Your anyone anyone using this. Unity would be using C sharp. Yeah. <laughs> would be using C sharp exactly. So you know what we're teaching is the language. It's like if you're going to learn okay. English or, or German or something. Um, and then what we're trying to do is, um, you know, help people see what pathways exist. So like, yeah, fantastic. You know, do do you want to work in game development? Okay. Here, learn C-sharp. Here's a C-sharp course. Um, you know, are you interested in data science? Do you want to crunch numbers? Mm. Learn Python. Python's a really great language for that. Um, web dev, learn JavaScript. Um, so we're all about the, the underlying languages. Yep. That's really the toolkit that you need because then yeah. you can do whatever you want to do, really. Yeah, which is fantastic, I think, because it's, it's uh, such a hard space to navigate sometimes. Um, because I, I dare say, you know, like in the last 20 years, it seems like it's gone from, you know, I work in IT or I'm a programmer to now you've got all these tiny little niches. Uh, yeah. You know, I would say, you know, database programmer, but that's even a broad field now. <laughs> You'd be doing more specifics yeah. there. So um, <laughs> definitely important to kind of have this education, I think. Yeah, and it's really, you know, it, it's such a minefield, like you say. It's hard to kind of know even where to start and even accessing you know, people say like, oh, I think I want to work in tech or it's, you know, it sounds like a good idea to work in tech, but like, what does that mean? <laughs> where do you, 
where do you start even when we say like oh here are all the languages you can learn like what language do you choose it's you you kind of need like <laughs> the old guard which are the yep. <laughs> all of us who've been working in tech um to kind of say well here you know here's what you can do here's what you can build um start here and then yeah. from there you can learn like once you know one language you can pick <laughs> up other languages it's like it's like human languages it's all built on the same principles yeah it's like what's the equivalent how does it communicate across isn't it yeah exactly yeah yeah what are you trying to do it's all logic it's all logic based yeah i i found that when i was learning programming it was almost like you have this aha moment where it's like suddenly you understand how computers think <laughs> yes <laughs> and how you have to talk to a computer um and just look, sequences I'm, of like true and false over and over until and over you and get and to a raise and then i'm out <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> Arrays, although what about objects? Have you do you go that far? Yeah, well that that's a thing in games a little bit. So that that kind of makes sense, right? But then oh, yeah, okay. then I'm yeah. <laughs> I find it really abstract in, in programming. Um, we're actually developing three new courses right now. We're doing a, a JavaScript, um, React and Node.js, um, yeah, which sure. are sort of three you know, courses that worked well together and working on the JavaScript course is re it's been a real challenge to work out like how to teach this, how to teach JavaScript because it is a really big abstract kind of language that can get really messy. So yeah, I'm, t I'm with you there, <laughs> Susie, on the on, <laughs> on arrays and yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, wow. look, I don't know heaps about JavaScript, so any programmer listening is going to hate me for this, but from my understanding, it's used almost everywhere on the web. Uh, but some people would say, you know, it's not a clean language or it's a little messy. Yeah. And it's so a bit it's of like kind of a Wild West language. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I remember people when Python first came out and you had people saying, oh, it's fantastic because it's easy to learn. And then you had like the hardcore programmers or whatever saying, well, it doesn't even force proper indentation or... Or whatever it was, the opposite way around. I can't remember. The indentation um, matters, yeah. Oh, it does it matter. Does. That's the right. White space the matters. Yeah. That's yeah. right. There you go. It's People so saying, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna say, like, it's so. I, I often find when people ask me, like, oh, what programming language should I learn, or what coding language should I learn, I often go based on personality. So, like, for me, really? I'm a Java. Yeah, I, I'm a JavaScript. Um, developer, so I'm a web developer. Like you say, it's it's everywhere on the web. It's it's what creates interactivity on the web, um, and I'm just a bit like messy. I like to throw stuff in a pile and just sort it out and then clean it up later. Um, oh, whereas, like, so I have cool. another, <laughs> I have another friend who's like really into, um, you know, everything in its place and like doing things right from the start. And so she's a C sharp developer because that's much more what C Sharp is kind of based on is is like good habits right from the start. Um, yeah, so <laughs> they, they have a pers personality quiz, like which coding language are you? <laughs> uh, it made well, me think of the sorting hat from Harry Potter. You just need yeah. something like that to put on something. I might be yeah, coming, it might be coming. <laughs> oh, really? We might, we might be working on, yeah, we've got, we've got ideas. <laughs> Fantastic. Very cool. Oh, you, you don't have to make any announcements right here, though. No, no. It's good. Build people's hype and um, they can check out Code Like a Girl. Uh, well, it's one of those things, I mean, talking about Python again, because... I was under the impression that it wasn't that popular, you know, obviously I was wrong because now you see it used in AI 
and just yep. like the sheer amount of libraries that have been built for it for AI and you know maths uh, calculating and all that kind of thing is kind of made it. That's right. It's made it one of the most popular languages out there. Yeah, it's popular across like so many disciplines as well. Like it's hugely, massively used in academia. Um, it's used in yeah anything to do with data. But yeah, then it's also used in like Internet of Things. Ro- well, robotics languages are built on top of um, Python. It's like it's major. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Far out. Yeah, and isn't it used? I think we use it at like people, like technical artists, use it in games to like make things happen better in Maya and stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't know anything about three D art, but like there's three there's three D artists in games who like um, do technical art, so they like they're kind of like a between between coders and three D yeah. artists. I, I I know people working at uh, you know Rising Sun or Mister X, uh, well whatever Mister X is called now. Um, <laughs> um, the they, motion picture company. Yeah, that's right. The motion picture company. And so visual effects uh, and CGI, there's like pipeline programmers who do a lot of what you're talking about, Susie, I think. Where yeah, so they use that, yeah. Python often as a scripting language with some of the 3D software to kind of either script things that are happening in the software or to pass things to their rendering farms or whatever. I'm not in the industry, so this is just based on a few conversations I've had. But um, yeah, there's definitely uses across every industry for it. So. That's so cool. I didn't know about that one, but but yeah, we sort of say like if you if you don't know what language to learn, just learn Python because you'll learn it's easy to learn and um, you'll be able to learn other languages from there, but you can also kind of do whatever you want to do with Python. Um, uh, I'm trying to think was it is it like it might be Instagram who originally had their whole web platform built on Python, so you can wow. you can build anything. You build websites with it as well. Yeah, that's very Fire cool. Out, yeah. There's a games like a really good um, interactive narrative game engine called Rempy that you can make oh, yeah. like full interactive narratives just with with Python. That's cool. I'm gonna look uh, that one up. <laughs> that's very cool. Is there is there much discussed in the ways of security? Um, so I, I'm asking this coming from my current day jobs in IT. Um, so I see a lot of kind of security issues and stuff like that. Um, now I know, mm. you know, whether you want to call them programming languages such as uh, a PowerShell or Bash, stuff like that. Um, is that covered much in Code Like a Girl, or is that separate altogether? Well, that's a good question. Um, we've we've talked about doing cybersecurity. We don't currently have any offerings for it, but we've talked about it because you know it's a huge. Um, field it's really it's yeah. really important and it's only going to grow um i mean certainly like like you said learning bash or powershell which are you know t- tools that you um you can use um to use command line um command line languages with um you'd learn if you're learning any kind of programming language typically you learn to use um the powershell or to use a bash terminal or yeah command line um but yeah we're not offering anything like that yet but um i know it's big with universities a lot of universities i think are really going deep into cyber security there you go have to ask Susie about that what's unisa um, doing Susie? (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, we had a big uh incident last year where the university was hacked (laughs) oh my gosh yeah and uh and nobody had access to their emails for like two weeks or something. 
and it was uh, everyone was not coping very well. So <laughs> they've certainly stepped up their um, cybersecurity since that date, and uh, we haven't had anything happen yet since then. Which just like, <laughs> grinds everything to a halt. Oh my god! Well, actually, did you guys see? Because uh, they they run on the uh, Okta platform, I think it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that was hacked yeah. the other day, and I know most oh, no. of the unis run on it. So, oh, no. Yeah, so, so many things are run on that. Oh, my yeah, gosh. totally, totally. So it was, um, I'm pretty sure the guys who did it, they, they ended up finding them, or most of them, and it was like teenagers in UK, basically, Amazing. who were br- br- bragging oh, about it online. So, you know, they got caught. So, wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy field. And look, I see this in my job, that security is definitely becoming more and more important. Um, and not, not that I would say this is the responsibility of any one programmer, but it, there does some, uh, there just seems to be that kind of concept that you need to keep security in mind to try and, you know, as much as you can keep out exploits and zero-day exploits and stuff like that. So I don't It's know. so hard because you, you've got to – it really depends on your team, on the team that you're working with and what resources you have. Like, you know, pre, when I've worked in startup, startup companies, which might be like – two engineers working and and like a ceo and um maybe a salesperson and you're just frantically trying to build something that people can use and then things can come crashing down so um i think there's room for like more um i guess out of the box stuff you know if i guess if you're building on anything like aws or microsoft azure they come yep. with some out-of-the-box tools you can use, but it's it's really hard as an individual programmer to then be going, oh, do I have to think about this? And, you know, do I have to think about accessibility? And do I have to think about design? And do I have to think about... Yeah, <laughs> which, which is true, and there's so many areas. I mean, look, this is one thing I've found uh, in my kind of game development journey is that um, a, there is definitely a lot of programmers out there who want to build their own game engine, Um and I'm not saying that's good or bad, but I always found it's everyone I know who wanted to do that didn't get very far in actually making the final product because they ended up kind of going down that rabbit hole of <laughs> trying to make their own game engine. So, really, I, I guess uh, my question here is like, would would you suggest to people to it's actually helpful to kind of build a whole piece of software yourself, or is it better to kind of see, like you say, what's on offer with AWS and other yeah. products, and then kind of just kind of bite the bullet, not not get let your ego get in the way, <laughs> kind of just <laughs> make a product. Yeah. I know, like, the cliche is, like, we stand on the shoulders of giants. So, like, there's very little that we have to do to reinvent the wheel. You know, unless you're a, a computer scientist who's, like, doing some serious, yeah, invention. Um, if you're building um, commercial software which a lot of us are, um, you're using um, platforms like AWS. You're using frameworks. Like if I'm building a web application, I'm using, you know, like React and Node, like I was yeah. saying, or I'm using a, um, you know, a Python framework or, or whatever. Um, or, or you, you know, I, I say for a lot of people, you know, there's so many people with so many passions and ideas which is amazing and especially people who don't have any tech background who go i want to build an app i've got an idea for an app and that's really cool but like (laughs) 
can you i just want to always say is like can you stitch something together in a in a no code or a low code kind of way yep. um before you you come up with something brand new and shiny that's just going to fall over because you you had one engineer build it um <laughs> yep. you know can you use email and you know Eventbrite and um whatever like mailchimp and um you know real people and do, do you really have a, a product or a service like what are you doing at the core do you have a do you have a real market do you have a real audience um yep. can you deliver this service in, in person and then try to move it into an app can you prove your concept that way i think um yep. there's such an allure to to technology and such this like idea that programmers are these wizards that can just like whip up <laughs> So whatever but really we're just like gluing popsicle sticks together <laughs> <laughs> it's just about knowing what popsicle sticks to actually glue together that's right yeah and then as soon as you have like more resources and a bigger team then you can work together to glue the popsicle sticks together yeah that's right you get stronger glue you get you get different colored sticks yeah totally. uh, where i'm going with that metaphor yeah it's, look, it's, it's something i find as well in music when i'm doing it is that uh it's very easy to get sucked into all the cool toys and like plugins and stuff that you can use to make music. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it was his name was Andrew Sheps, who is an engineer that worked with Michael Jackson and a whole lot of people. He said, the only thing that matters is what comes out the speakers or what comes out the headphones. So yeah. like your audience never actually sees what you do to make that product so don't you got to be careful not to go too far down that rabbit hole that you're kind of not actually making anything that's quality so. oh it's just enticing isn't it to buy the things then you feel oh, like you've so achieved much. something right <laughs> yeah yeah but it's that's a really good point about having to have something finished like you know it's like um in academia like with, when you're doing a phd like we say that the uh, the best phd is a finished phd <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't matter like you could be working on the best research in the world but if you never share it with anybody nobody knows right that's totally right um and i think uh, it might have been mark zuckerberg who said like about tech products if you're not embarrassed by your tech product when you release it then you know you've released it too late <laughs> I wonder so how it feels about the metaverse. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah getting, all, getting all the right embarrassment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, that is pretty interestingly, is I think he's he's uh, he's. I think kids have a very different opinion of Zuckerberg than like we do. Like, I was on my my eleven year old's computer the other day, and I saw like I w I was on his Google, and I saw his last search was who owns Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, mm, okay, that's a very different approach than, than we think of Mark Zuckerberg, isn't it? <laughs> There's some really good interview footage of him that, you know, you really do question, is he human? Is he human? <laughs> yeah. That whole thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to ask, and I have no idea where this question is going to go, but I guess uh, with Code Like a Girl and the similar things you've been doing, have you found there's been much pushback or people not taking it seriously? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's always people who question the need for it. You know, everything from like, oh, what what about code like a boy? Well, boys actually already have heaps of opportunities from mm. you know, from a young age. Boys are introduced to logic based toys. 
you know, much more at a very young age, whereas girls are typically not introduced to logic-based toys, and this kind yep. of continues all the way through through schooling and so on. Um, you know, there's a lot of just misunderstanding of why, <laughs> what the issues are in the industry. You know, we, we exist, Code Like a Girl exists because um, the tech industry is just so dominated by men. Um, and the problem with that is um, the tech industry is building the products and the services that, that run our world. Like everything is is connected with technology, like traffic lights and, and hospital systems and, you know, everything. <laughs> so much of our, our experience um, is run by technology. And so if those products and services aren't built by diverse teams with diverse experiences, then, um, you know, there's going to be blind spots and, and you're going to get biases. You know, we see this in like um, automatic um, algorithms that approve um, credit card applications. Um, there was a story a couple years back where um, Steve Wozniak tweeted, um, he and his wife, like both applied for a credit card and he was approved for a higher limit than his wife was, even though she made more money than him. Um, wow. <laughs> and it's just these biases that no one's doing no one's doing this on purpose. Yeah. It's just what mm. happens when you get a homogenous um, group of people building a product. So yeah, all that is it's to systemic, say, isn't it? Yeah. It's hugely systemic. And and so that's kind of why we exist is to say like, well, we want to diversify this. We just want to break this apart and um, and create more diversity in tech teams. And to do that, we have to like break down so many barriers that go back decades um, as to like why women aren't in tech and why um, gender diverse people aren't in tech. And um, yeah, the, the problems start <laughs> from when kids are, t you know, three months old and, and go all the way through school and go all the way through, um, you know, junior, mid-level, senior careers. Um, mm. So, yeah, mm. <laughs> we got to yeah. swing the pendulum. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. like so just like such little, like, little things too that you don't really notice or that you don't really feel at time. Like when I was in year 12, I did my SATEC application for uni and I put my first preference as multimedia and my second preference as marketing, which I had no interest in, but someone told me to. And then the careers <laughs> counsellor at school came in and found me and said, oh, I, want, I think you should change your preferences around because marketing's more suited for you. And I thought, oh, okay, but well, you know, I guess they know what they're doing. So I changed it. And then like we went to an information session at the uni and the guy I was dating at the time was gonna study multimedia. So I went with him to the information session. And when we went to the information session, the lecturer presenting it was a woman. Yeah, and she right. was amazing. She was like one of the coolest people I've ever met. She was talking about her computer with all this like she had. Oh, this was like a long time ago because, you know, I'm getting old now. So this would have been like 2004 <laughs> or something, three or four. And she says, oh, you know, I'm at home. I got this computer. It's got 12 gig of RAM. And I was like, whoa, wow. <laughs> 12 gig of RAM. And I was like, oh, she's amazing. She's talking about this new video capture card she got. And I'm saving up for that same one. And I, I thought she was so cool. And I went home and I changed it. And I wouldn't have done that if she wasn't the one giving the presentation, just being visible and saying, hey, like I exist in this space. This space yeah. is for you. This space is for everyone. That's so cool. Role models are everything. Like 
it's such a circular thing. Like once we start getting more people into these spaces, it, it creates a flywheel effect because, you know, you, pe- you know, you can't be what you can't see that, that old chestnut. Yeah, I love that. that yeah. <laughs> That's so important. That's one. That's great. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, it, it. I think it works for all genders as well. So you know, as a guy, if I see now women, you know, in positions of power and well, all sorts of positions. You know, someone. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the other day, someone said to me, you know, we don't just need to see you know women CEOs or women kind of managing companies. We need to see women in all professions um, because. You kind of don't want to just uh, push that one idea as well. You kind of want to, you know, if, if you know, you, you want to give options for uh, women everywhere. I don't know uh, what you think of that concept. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's tricky because like every industry is, well, a lot of industries seem to favor one gender or another, like healthcare, you know, nursing, you you see a lot of women in teaching, you see a lot of women. Um, so, you know, you sort of wonder, is there a biological aspect to it? But, I mean, certainly with we know with um, anything that's programming or maths-based, like that, that, those myths have been debunked. There's, yep, yep. there's no reason that, like, women's brains aren't as good as men's brains in, when it comes to logic problems. Um, and on the same token... Um, there's no reason men can't be working in more like empathy-based um, industries. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, and and again, it starts so young. So like, um, we don't we see girls not being given like logic-based toys as much as boys. Blocks, robots, these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, you know, for Christmas when they're three years old. On the flip side. Um, dolls and and soft toys this kind of doll play builds empathy and we what we need to be doing certainly what i'll be doing with my own son is giving yeah. little boys dolls to play with and to do to do the, that kind of role play yep. um yeah yeah that's great like, yeah i i gotta give a shout out to my parents because they actually bought me a barbie doll when i was young although an off-brand one um, <laughs> um, I don't. I don't remember this specifically, but I re- vaguely remember it. They've told me since. Um, apparently, I called her Cuppy. I don't know where I got that name from. But, Amazing. Um, we were like best Cute. friends for you know a week or so, and then um, someone gave me a gift, which was one of those old the Grip Ball Two Thousand, which I don't know if you remember it. It was basically this Velcro pad that you could wear on your hands, yes. and you throw these tennis balls. Were they like? Up. Half green and half pink. Yes. That yeah, that's right. Those are the oh, ones. Yeah. Oh, the ones. that is so, so the 90s. <laughs> so I had one of those and I accidentally got Cuppy's hair stuck on it. And then um, I, w- I went to pull it off and I accidentally pulled off her head. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. And, and that was the end of my uh, career with dolls. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't go into childcare, John. Like, just like. <laughs> well, look, I have worked at schools before. But nothing like that happened. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, no, it was in- interesting. And uh, look, I couldn't tell you what that gave me, but that is a story. You know, I can tell people now That's that you know I had a doll as a kid, regardless of the violence at the end. That was accidental. But <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, but that's a really good point too. Like, not just seeing women in more roles traditionally dominated by by men but seeing men in more roles traditionally dominated by women would be awesome too like if we like you're saying if we can start that early that familiarity and that idea that you know things aren't gendered then maybe we would see more 
like mm. guys doing early childhood or or yeah so much of it like is that. just socialized it's just the way we're we're socialized and um yeah i mean there's certainly there's a biological element you can't deny um this year um i'm sort of slowly returning to work and my partner my male partner is the primary caregiver yep. of our um of our little baby and so you know we're really finding the you know people are people are so amazed by oh you're really you know challenging the gender norm there and um it's really great but it is challenging because there is a sort of a biological imperative of like the birth parent <laughs> yeah being so attached to the baby um yeah do, do, and there's things that like only you can do too totally. <laughs> <laughs> yep. do, i mean when when you made that decision let's say did you feel like let's do this to challenge gender norms or is it more just like practicality look let's just this works for yeah. our life bit of bit of column a bit of column b yeah um, okay. i certainly like uh, um working in the tech industry my um income potential is is higher than my partner's um yep. so we made the decision it was yeah that I should continue to work and he could care give, but also because I work from home, I've, it's just flexible. Like, and my company's flexible as well. So I can be, I'm literally like on a zoom meeting on a Monday morning with my coworkers, like breastfeeding my baby. And that's, that's all part and it's of perfectly it. normal. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. normal. Awesome. Yeah. And that's awesome. great. And it should be. And yeah, keep yeah. normalizing breastfeeding. <laughs> 100% normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baby's going to eat. <laughs> Because, yeah, that's another weird thing that's been kind of um, issues in our society that's been socialized as a, a strange thing when it's, like, it's seriously the most natural thing you can do, right? Like, it is the most natural thing and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. it. And it's, yeah, socialization is such a, a big part of it that, that we're, we're really just trying to break so many of these ingrained ideas and um, stuff that we're marketed and, you know, yeah. Just going back to Code Like a Girl, who's eligible to complete um, programs through Code Like a Girl? Like, is there an age limit or anything like that? Yeah, so currently um, we are working with people over 18 and probably the cybersecurity factor, John, is is one of the big factors there. Um, (laughs) We've historically done coding camps and workshops with little kids in schools and you know uh, um that kind of thing but um that's kind of easier when you're in person because individual people Mm. can have police checks and whatnot but online like working with kids data and kids Uh, interacting online that's like a whole thing that we're still um you know yet to (laughs) um to move into because oh it's hard yeah you have to be so cautious with that stuff and because yeah. I mean, even we saw the uh, what was it Log4j exploit come out recently, which is basically um, I think it was part of PHP from memory. Um, basically, one of the kind of underpinning frameworks that has been kind of built into a lot of applications, just because it's historically part of the kind of structure, was made by a couple guys just doing it in their spare time, and you know it was so good everyone's using it. And then there was an exploit found for it, and so all these. Uh, like websites and programs across everything now had this exploit in it and if you're yeah like you said if you've got you know children's data um and you're not aware that you've got kind of got this exploit you know though it's not your fault it still 
creates yeah. a massive problem there. So. And because we use like packages developed by all sorts of people, you're exactly right. Um, there was a even when even not <laughs> not talking cybersecurity, but there's a package a few years ago called LeftPad. Have you guys heard about this? No, what's that? Left LeftPad. It was like literally a package. Um, that so many hundreds of websites had like used in their applications and it just added a bit of padding on the left. Right. And then this, was it this? I can't remember. Maybe the creator went to jail or something. I don't know. Something <laughs> happened. Uh, well, for some reason, left pad just yeah. left the internet and all these websites, all of a sudden, like the margins were collapsing. Oh, and, you like, see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh left pad was this, gone. This is like <laughs> seeing the physical degradation of the internet just fall apart. Totally. And yeah, piece it's a reflection of. Exactly. Oh, that's M hilarious. by M. <laughs> Just pixel by pixel, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, the answer to your question, uh, we're working with people over the age of 18 um, because of those um, cybersecurity issues. Hopefully we'll work with um, kids again in the future. Um, and our, you know, there's nothing stopping anybody from signing up to our online courses, but really they're, they're targeted and tailored at um, women and non-binary people um, uh, and in particular we're really interested in um, you know anyone kind of at an intersection so if you've you know if you're um, in the LGBT community LGBTQ plus community BIPOC um, you know first generation migrants um, we're really interested in helping, um, you know, really diverse groups um, learn tech. And so we've, we do run a scholarship program um, to try and get as many, give as many people the opportunity as possible. But um, yeah, our, our online courses are open and available really to anyone who can um, access the internet and, and sign up. Yeah, awesome. Hey, I've got to ask a question uh, that you guys might be able to help me with. <laughs> so, as a man, um, when when we look at, um, you know, things like Code Like a Girl, and I, I, it's interesting to hear you say it's for women and non-binary uh, people. Um, I, I've seen if you uh, group all non-male genders together for certain um, equity initiatives, I've heard some people say non-male is there a better way to say this or do you specify women and non-binary or what you might be able to tell me but <laughs> help me out here what's what's a good way to oh, kind of say say this it's hard it's a really fraught question and and i'd say like it's challenging too because when you talk about male and female that's quite tricky too because that kind of reduces a person to their like mm. their genitals <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah, it's kind of weird, really, isn't it? When you think about it, like this <laughs> focus that we have in society on what's between people's legs, like a hundred percent. And like, even you know, when I was <laughs> pregnant, people would say, "Do you know what you're having, a boy or a girl?" I'm like, I don't, I didn't know. I don't know. I'm having a baby. <laughs> well, you say they haven't um, chosen yet. <laughs> why are you interested in my baby's genitals? Um, <laughs> what's well, between your baby's legs? Come on, <laughs> pretty much. Like, baby, what difference does it make? Um, yeah, so I I don't actually I, I don't know really how to answer that question, John. I'd say like uh, you know I identify as a woman. Anyone that refers to me as a female, I get a bit ick about because that's okay. like okay. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, that's my (laughs) my biology. Well, Um, yeah, and if you've heard that in the past, it's usually in a negative sense, isn't it? It's like... You can't yeah. come because you're female. Like it, that, That's a term that generally is used by people who aren't being inclusive, I think. Yeah, or the medical community, which is fine. <laughs> right, so, so there's almost that kind of historical thing with it. So like, probably not, not many women would use the word female in this context because it's Yeah, but no, people do. No, no yeah, people okay. definitely do. It, 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 women use it all the time. It's, it's one of those things that's so ingrained into society, but like when you actually break down the language... It's quite, it's kind of problematic. Like, it's kind yeah. of creepy. It just yeah. reminds me of Peep Show. Like, remember on Peep Show, he's always talking oh, yes. about yep. females. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but huge conversations to be had by, like, definitely the gender diverse community. I, I can't speak yeah. on behalf of. No, definitely, um, definitely. That's right. Yeah. I wasn't expecting us to solve it here, but yeah. Good. It's just, uh, it's, it's one of those spaces uh, to, hard to navigate i think because it's you know only now in the last i don't know five years or so rapidly kind of being exposed i guess i i find a lot of my questions this i'm finding really hard to ask because i'm (laughs) trying to really pick my words carefully because um yeah obviously you know i won't have all the right answers and how to ask it so i'm just trying to get this conversation going so like all you can do is like be open and yeah. be willing, you know. So, you know, the pronoun conversation's a big one if, if, you know, people don't understand why people might use different pronouns. It's just about being open and listening and saying, okay, well, that's what you want to use. I will use that. I will use yep. they, them, yep. and, you know. Mm. It doesn't matter if you make a mistake as long as you can say, oh, okay, I'm not perfect. I'll try yeah. better next time. Yeah. And actually be willing to listen to it. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, far out. So, um, I don't know what you can and can't tell us, but are there any initiatives that Code Like a Girl are going to be doing soon or even maybe not Code Like a Girl, any other initiatives that you think are exciting that uh, people should be looking into? Oh, okay. Good question. Um, Any initiatives? So, Code Like a Girl, um, I did mention it. I did touch on it briefly. There we go. Plug it back in. Um, I did touch on it briefly Um, We are releasing three new courses to our online course offering, which will basically build what we're calling a career track. So we currently have um, intro to web development or foundations of web development where you learn um, like how to build a simple website with HTML and CSS and a little bit of JavaScript. That's a 10-week course. Um, But what we're building is three new 10-week courses, so a kind of intro to JavaScript where you really learn the foundations of JavaScript, um, then a, a front-end development with React course, and then a back-end development with Node course. And so these are all um, individual courses. You can do one just individually, or you can do all four. Um, and then what that really gives you, what that really sets you up is to be um, to become a web developer because, um, you know, everyone wants to hire software developers and mm. um, there's just not enough candidates out there um even so that's yeah oh um i think australia is is creating sixty thousand new tech jobs year on year um um, but only nine thousand people graduate from computer science so we need yeah we need these different kinds of education yeah 
Yeah. So and, and it's not just us. Like, there's so many other initiatives. You know, we've got 42 school um, in South Australia as well, which is a yep. free um, tech school. Um, yeah, they so seem much- really cool, doing lots of really cool stuff there. I like how it's a um, mentor, like, based by peer learnings. That's really interesting. Peer learning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. So I encourage anybody to look into 42 if you're looking for, you know, a really intense and free <laughs> computing degree. Um, yeah, heaps of online education. Like, you know, you can learn to code. Anyone can learn to code with online. You can learn online for free. Um, there's just different, you know, different offerings, different things tailored to different people. Um, I, I learned just by, like, I did, like, one university subject, but then the rest of it I just learned as I went. Um, it's, all, it's all there for the taking. <laughs> Yeah, just want to ask you, so if people are interested in Code Like a Girl, um, where should they go? Yeah, easy, codelikeagirl.com. Um, oh, that is easy. <laughs> yeah, you should be able to find what you need there. Um, we're also on all of the social medias. Um, Instagram's a big one for us, Code Like a Girl AU on Instagram, I think. And we do cool stuff like um, post like day in the life. We'll get You will get like a software developer to take over our Instagram for a day and sort of like follow them through their day of what that looks like. And yep. um, yeah, check out our social media and our uh, our website and, and YouTube as well. You can see me <laughs> talking on YouTube about which programming language you should learn. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right. So good way to keep in the loop there. So that's it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Sarah, and sharing, you know, everything there. Uh, there's a wealth of information for our audience there. So, Brilliant. Thanks, Thanks so much so for much having Sarah. me. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks so much, Sarah. And I hope somebody listens to the interview and then decides to enroll just like uh, that yeah. lady did for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. And I'm, I'm always happy to chat to like any women or gender diverse people who aren't sure. Like I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Send me a message. Yeah, I'm open. Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks for that, Sarah. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. See ya. Bye.